Heads up. This week, John, Sebastian, and Lindsay improvise their way through Yugoslavian vacations, gremlin teeth, and bazonkers as we catch the train to Transylvania on Here's Why It's Great. Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to Here's Why It's Great, the podcast where we take what you hate and tell you why it's great. I'm your host, John Bring. And I'm Sebastian Kaplicek. And this week, we have another listener request for you folks. Oh. Ooh. This time from Rashawn Rochester of McKinney, Texas. He sent us a Facebook message about a little film called Transylvania 65000. Oh. And to handle this fine film... We have a special guest for you. She's been on the show before. You know her as a writer on Chilling Adventures of Sabrina for Netflix. I know her as my wife. Welcome, Lindsay Calhoun-Bring. Hello. Welcome back. I'm really glad you're here. Uh, last time, I was not here when you were here, so I'm excited to be on this with you. Well, thanks, so. That's because I uh, poisoned you and then bought you that <laughs> yep. plane ticket for that road trip you took. Yes. I feel much better now. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. happy to be here with my bros. Yeah. 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 Uh, it's fun to have you back. You have very little connection to this actual film. None of us have seen it. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't seen it. Which is our the tie that binds all of us. Yeah. I'm excited. This. And we're all... Big fans of Jeff Goldblum, I assume. Uh, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. Who's, who's not? Ed Begley Jr.? Yeah. Yeah. I love yeah. a she-devil. Yeah. yeah. Has, has anybody else besides me used Ed Begley Jr.'s eco-friendly cleaning products? Um, I've definitely seen him talk about them. Yeah. And about solar power. Well, yes. we live together, so, so probably. You, ha- you have. Well, I'm more the cleaner in the family, so right, right. it's probably mostly me. I worked at the New Adventures of Old Christine once upon a time. Ed Begley Jr. during that season was a guest star. And guess what? That sweet guy came in with cleaning products for everybody in the production office while we were there. Wow. And it was really cool, not only to meet him. He's a super sweet guy, obviously a very funny guy, very good actor. And uh, he's doing what he can for the for Mother Earth. Yeah, but it's really nice. His mouth was. That's nice. Were you as a PA, were you like, this is my gift as a cleaning product? I would rather have money. <laughs> no, I'd man. like an was... Amazon gift card, please. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, no, man. I was just excited to shake hands with Ed Begley Jr., somebody I had been watching since I was a kid. I was sort of in awe. I'm pretty sure I got a little mush mouth around him, which is a big surprise to nobody sitting at this table. I'm a mush mouth <laughs> kind of guy. Ed Begley Jr., I was just like, my hands got sweaty. Huh. I, I started to, you know, panic a little bit. Wow. I wanted to tell him how much I appreciated him. At the time, I don't even think I was aware that he had met Jeff Goldblum before. Had I realized that, I would have just jumped out of a window or something so I didn't have to face this panic. Well, he would have liked that if when you met him, you only asked him about Jeff Goldblum. I think he would have. There and were also threw yourself out of a window. There were no windows in that particular production office. It was That's a bit of a dungeon. Why. Yeah. So I had nowhere to go, man. I was in the back corner of that office and old Beggs and I, you know, <laughs> we talked about cleaning products and I just sheepishly said, thank you. And that was it. What is the name of his cleaning cleaning products? Because I'm not sure if I've used I think they're actually just called Begley cleaning products. But let me Ed Begley's sprays. Oh yeah, they're called Begley's Best, and they're oh. natural cleaners. Oh, like- oh, in that case, I've not used them. Or uh, Begley's Earth Responsible products. That rolls yeah. off the tongue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's something. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't to remember? Who doesn't want to save the earth while also cleaning your kitchen? Eh. I know I do. And in the name of Ed Begley Jr. Yeah, absolutely. A guy who, again, we all appreciate. But the main reason I really wanted to tackle this, other than our friend Rashawn Rochester, 
telling us that we should look at this movie mm-hmm. is I'm all about that Gold Bloom baby. Oh yeah, love the Bloom. I mean, I think he's having a late career resurgence or he's been in it for years now people i think really came around to how important he is how influential he is how mm. amazing he is yeah. he was recently in thor ragnarok and people yeah. oh, could yeah. really as just as himself <laughs> he only ever truly plays himself anymore yeah he's like a bill murray type that's all you need at this point yeah i mean who wants anything else yeah. who wants at who, who wants ed begley jr oh well john you won't normally want us cleaning products <laughs> no <laughs> i want all the jeff goldblum can possibly give me well i want gina davis oh i'm excited for that genies and i'm especially excited because as we just learned via the world wide web this was the movie where the genies and the goldblumies met yeah they were obviously in a relationship that lasted a few years Mm -hmm. this is the first of their trilogy went on to do cronenberg's the fly which is one of my favorites so good yeah so So awesome if anybody wants to suggest that yeah, I'm happy to tackle it. I'd like to suggest it. I have a lot of things to say. <laughs> I don't think anybody could argue that that movie isn't great. Yeah. It's, because it's so fantastic. It's amazing. And also great is, obviously, Earth Girls, Earth Girls Are, Are Easy. Easy yeah. With Jim Carrey. Uh, yeah, Damon Wayans. Damon Wayans. The original, the OG Damon Wayans, not yeah. the current one, obviously. Gina Davis. Oh, uh, also Downtown Julie Brown is in that movie. Uh, no, just Not Downtown Julie Brown, just Julie Brown. Oh, regular Julie Brown. Reg- regular type. Uptown Julie Brown, Okay. Okay. Uh, cool thing about Julie Brown, she is a screenwriter as well, and she wrote or co-wrote Earth Girls Are Easy. Along, I did not know that. Yeah, along with being in it. I actually have a Julie Brown story. Well, I uh, am a Julie Brown fan because of Earth Girls Are Easy, and also she played the coach in uh, Clueless. She went on to continue to play that character in the TV show and she wrote on the TV show. Oh, wow. And she's actually been a pretty prolific sitcom writer for a long time. Wow, I had no idea. She's awesome. I actually met her on the show that I worked on, Melissa and Joey, which was this uh, multicam sitcom with Melissa Joan Hart and Joey Lawrence, which I worked on. Whoa, for a few, whoa which I worked on for a few years, uh, which was a really good experience. But uh, I, that was one of the first times I ever actually felt truly starstruck hmm. is when Julie Brown came in because she was hired to be a writer and she was one of the punch up writers. Oh. So her job consisted of coming in on show nights with the writers and helping add to the jokes. So I would get so excited whenever julie brown came in and i am facebook friends with julie brown from Are that you experience serious? yeah I'll that is awesome right now not only that but you're also facebook friends with melissa joan hart and True. julie lawrence but the, my question is i know you got starstruck but did she give you cleaning products <laughs> she did not give me cleaning products at the time uh, i mean i obviously i'm writing now and i'm very happy to be writing at the time i was uh desperate to be a comedy writer mm. so i just especially looked up to her as like this funny woman comedy writer who uh she uh she was somebody who actually was telling me we had a conversation about guild insurance and i was an assistant at the time i didn't have anything but but she specifically told me that part of the reason she continues to work in writing uh was because the health insurance is so good in WGA that she keeps up with that more than her SAG insurance. Wow. Wow. So I was like, oh man, I got to get me in that WGA so I can get to a doctor. It's been 32 years. <laughs> That's good to know. That's yeah. good. That's good information. Yeah. Good info, but some good advice for all you aspiring yeah. writers out there. The insurance is really good. Worth yeah. keeping. And for those aspiring actors, be a writer instead. You yeah. get better insurance. Instead. Absolutely. Or do both like Julie Brown, but she's the she's the coolest. She's super cool. That's awesome. That's so awesome. I definitely had a crush on her when she was a VJ. So cute. I'm surprised you didn't because well, she's a VJ. Was redhead. she a VJ? I thought downtown Julie Brown was I the VJ. They both were. Julie Brown oh. was a VJ as well. How how in the early years of MTV did they hire two women 
named Julie Brown and didn't just tell one of them to be like, hey, could you, you know. Well, how do you think downtown Julie yeah. Brown came Oh, about? I guess so. That was a differentiating. Yeah. Method. Okay, fair Are enough. wrong? I feel like they were both VJs. I thought they were both VJs. That's the world how I remembered it. may my... never know. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way to find There's, out. Yeah. And yeah. I refuse to be called out factually on yeah. this podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Earth Girls Are Easy. That was a great film. That was, uh, yeah, the final part of the Goldblum, Gina Davis uh, trifecta. That was, I remember watching that as a kid and seeing Gina Davis and being like, wow, she's a good looking woman. I think I was like eight, seven, eight. And then uh, these three aliens come in and they're comical and they're silly. And I'm like, oh, I'm enjoying this film. And then the scene comes Mm. where downtown Julie, or I'm sorry. Oh, geez. Uptown Julie Brown. Where Uptown Julie Brown Shaves off all the different aliens, and yeah, we get Jim Carrey, we get Damon Wayans. Spoiler. But then she shaves off and cleans up that blue alien, and Jeff Goldblum comes out in all of his 80s glory, and man, oh man. If I was at the tipping point of my sexuality, that could have been the point where it tipped in one direction or the other. Gina Davis on one end, Jeff Goldblum on the other. That was the tipping point? You were eight years old and there was a fork in the road? Yeah, there was a fork in the road. Okay. Hmm. Some might say there was a dick in the road. Jeff Goldblum's dick? <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. That's cool. Well, you're not gay if you fuck Jeff Goldblum. Everybody knows nah, that. No, every, yeah. that's, yeah. It makes you more of a man. Yeah, it does. So uh, we don't know a whole lot about this Transylvania 65,000. I, I think w- we covered it. was always aware of it. Um, the things that I found out about it, it was shot in Yugoslavia. Uh, the Dow Chemical Company had Ooh. some money in Yugoslavia that they had to legally spend in Yugoslavia. That's the company that makes mace. Oh, really? I learned that in One Crazy Summer, oh. starring John Cusack and Demi Moore. Oh, yes, fantastic. One Crazy Summer, basketball. That's what? right. It was that scene, actually. It's she's the like, basketball She's scene? like, it's after they put him up as the basketball hoop, she says, I know Dow. And he says, what's that? And she's like, the chemical company that makes mace. And she sprays him in the face. That's that same scene. Oh, oh we are full of knowledge today. We're wow. full of stories we know so much. about mace. Yeah, I didn't bother looking up what Dow actually made. But they definitely made this movie. They had about three million bucks. They gave it to Rudy DeLuca, one ah. of Mel Brooks's writers. Slash, oh man, when I found out he was the guy who is Pizza the Hut's right-hand man, the robot in Spaceballs. This is the guy who played him. I was like, I'm in. Like, if it's going to be anything like that. And watching the trailer to this movie, it looks like, uh, if I'm being honest, it looks like a lesser Mel Brooks effort. Like, taking on monsters and monster movies and taking the piss out of them, as the Brits say. Oh, sure. Uh, So I'm interested to see (laughs) that we've got... As the Yugoslavs say. Yeah. Yeah. We've got Gina Davis as a sexy vampire. We've got Begley Jr. and Goldblum as a couple of reporters, a couple of intrepid reporters. Mm. We've got a Wolfman in there. We've got a Frankenstein's monster. We've got uh, Carol Kane is in there. Jeffrey Jones. Love. Michael Richards. Jeffrey Jones is in there. Yeah. Michael Richards. Yeah, Michael Richards. (laughs) (laughs) We'll, We'll ignore him. But this is... Uh, I actually just yesterday watched the episode of Coffee and Comics. Or co- no, co- Comics co- and Cars and Getting Coffee. Coffee. Yeah. Um, with Michael Richards. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I can't believe they actually had him on. Yeah. Well, they're still yeah. friends. He still yeah, supports them. Yeah, I suppose so. Jerry Seinfeld, what are you doing, man? Don't have him on. I know you've had... I know you've had uh, Julie Louis-Dreyfus on. I know you've mm-hmm. probably had Jason Alexander on. Mm-hmm. Just leave Michael Richards out of the car. But we're going to watch it. We're going to experience this movie as friends together. We're going to hold our hands. We're going to tell Rashawn and the world at large what we think about it. Before we get into it, I will say, we're doing requests, folks. So hit us up on Facebook, on Twitter. Instagram, Twitter, Whatever, send Gmail. us an email, hwigpodcast at gmail.com, hwigpodcast on Twitter and Instagram. Let us know 
what you hate so we can tell you why it's great. This is going to be one of the fun things about the show. We love to cover stuff that you guys think we should cover. And this is one of those examples. And we're going to experience it together for the very first time. Thanks to one of our listeners. So we appreciate it. And we will be back right after this with Transylvania 65000. Transylvania 6. 5,000. Transylvania 6. That's oh, a good he's, song. He's still going. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 5,000. No? Zen. We're done. It's a great song. Guys. Good song. Guys. Really good song. Really great movie. Great song. Said no one. Um, Whoa! Oh, just, right well, up the gate. say it. Just kidding. It was great. I mean, Rashawn probably would say it was great. Also, sp- Rashawn, what did you do? Why? Yeah, Rashawn's a pretty nice guy. Or so I thought. <laughs> so we just finished watching Transylvania 6. 5,000. And boy, howdy. Was it a movie? It definitely was a, a movie that was made. I mean, debatable. Yeah, I don't know that it was a movie. I don't know that it had a clear beginning, middle, or end. Yeah. I don't think so. What are we supposed to do now? <laughs> I, I, we, we're at a loss, oh, guys. I mean, we got through five Twilight movies. Ooh. And we talked, a, we talked a lot about Twilight. Yeah. I yeah. think we can get through Transylvania 6, 5000, which, obviously, a play on Transylvania the, 6, the, 5000. <laughs> That's not how that song goes. It's a Glenn Miller song from back in the day called Pennsylvania 65000, mm. which is actually one of my favorite bits in this movie. Throughout the movie, uh, the song plays. It's actually the ring, an er- early ringtone uh, mm. on the phone mm. in the hotel they're staying at. It's and then you eventually say Pennsylvania 65,000. Well, every time Michael Richards, the butler, he would wait. Ooh. I know, I know. Let's just get all of our <laughs> about Michael Richards, about Jeffrey Jones. Ooh. Ooh. Sorry, guys. We're going to have to talk about them. But they did exist. They were in this movie. Uh, and they have since done some bad things. Jeffrey Jones obviously was responsible for some kitty porn. Michael Richards had himself ah. a bad night on the stage at the Comedy Store. Ooh. So, actually, and Rudy DeLuca is one of the co-founders of the Comedy Store, which Michael Richards would go on to have his horrible rant at. Well, I have something in common. I had a bad night at the Comedy Store. I don't think it was as bad as Michael's. <laughs> no, 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 no. Nor could it ever have been. What was your bad night? It was just a performance. It was when I first moved out here. I was pursuing comedy and stand-up, and I ended up uh, getting involved. I auditioned to be in this improv troupe, uh, L.A. Connection. Sometimes you see those theaters around uh, L.A., uh, but I got in, and then it was one of those things. It's like a dirty trick where it's like, oh, we're only taking like two people out of 500, and you get in, and aren't you amazing, and can you give us $200 uh, a month to be a part oh, of this group, uh, and can you invite, can you bring the audience with you? And oh. at the time, I was like, yeah, we sure, that's all. But yeah, I, but it did get me, uh, gave me the opportunity to perform at the comedy store, and at the time, I, that was just a really, really, really big deal to me to stand on that stage. I thought that cool. was pretty cool. I, I think that's still cool. That's did you really have? Awesome. Yeah, and you, did you have a racial tirade while you were on the stage? <laughs> no, no, no. I, I believe it was uh, a feminist tirade. Oh, okay. Yeah, All it right, was well, very anti-man. Okay. Oh, good. All men. Much of more all acceptable. Colors. <laughs> <laughs> right. Across e- the board. Equal Across opportunity board, against yeah. men. I got gotcha. you. They called me man hater bring for a while and that was before we were married that's what i call you oh they, <laughs> called, they called you bring that's interesting what you called me at home man hater bring yep uh but yeah we're gonna have to just put aside i suppose the things that jeffrey jones and michael <gasps> richards <gasps> have done in their past or not um 
Did uh did Michael Richards I assume he apologized at some point. I'm I don't know what his public stance on it was. I did just watch the uh Comedians and Cars Getting Coffee episode with Michael Richards mm-hmm. on it. As you mentioned in our intro. Yeah, and for the majority of it I was kind of anxious to see if they would actually bring it up or not. Yeah. Um and they go like half the episode and it's just kind of them hanging out, just talking about stuff and and Michael Richards thanking Seinfeld for giving him the opportunity to play the character of a lifetime. And, wow. And Seinfeld saying, thank you for basically being a partner on the the journey. So it was, it was interesting. And then they sit down and they're, you know, they're obviously in every episode, the comedians start, you know, just doing comedy with each other. And there was this moment in the diner or whatever they were in. It wasn't a diner, some, some little place they were in. This is the coffee portion. Yeah, this is the coffee the portion. In cars. They've already been in the car. They've been now in the they're car. getting coffee. Yes. Okay. It tracks. And <laughs> the, uh, Michael Richards brings it up. He's like, you know, I had, oh. I can't remember exactly what he was, what triggered it, but him being like, oh, you know, I. Did I, he see a, a black person in the, <laughs> yeah. in the oh, cabinet? No. He started screaming. <laughs> and he was like, oh, wait, learn from your mistakes. Oh, God. No, he was like, they were talking about like, being selfless or being selfish in your comedy. That's what it was. And Jerry was saying, you know, about being selfless in comedy. And Michael Richards admitted that he had been selfish in his comedy. Hmm. And he said that night he was having a bad night and he dealt with it horribly. And he was like, that was me being selfish in my comedy. I should have handled it completely different. Obviously, I'm paraphrasing. He um, used the N-word. I'm just kidding. Did he, he talk about racism in comedy and that night how he was selfishly Racist? Selfishly racist? No, I mean it's an it's. I'm not going to defend Michael. Oh, I know, I know, I know. The, There's no way. His sort of apology in that episode was, I guess, as much as you could take ownership of something that happened without full on saying, "Hey, I was a racist." But anyway, it was interesting. He thanked Jerry for standing by him, and Jerry said, "Of course, you're my friend." And Jerry was like. What else was I going to do? I got nothing to lose. I'm worth like half a billion dollars, man. Like I'm, I'm rich. Like, uh, well, uh, and Kramer, <laughs> Kramer, uh, Mike Richards actually <laughs> said like uh, he can't get back up on stage. He won't. He won't do it. And and Jerry was like, oh, do you want to like perform some new material? I heard you're kind of working some stuff. And he was like, I no, I can't do it. That's fascinating. Well, Louis C.K. certainly got back up on the stage, <laughs> so maybe there will be a maybe time. There's- People forget. Well, I'm. Uh, that's interesting. That makes me actually want to watch it, and I'm sort of fascinated by the idea that uh, he himself would bring it up. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, you should watch it. I'd be curious to hear I, your thoughts. I do yeah. like that show for what it's worth for those moments that Jerry Seinfeld, not being a a trained professional interviewer, does kind of get out like these candid moments he does get out of people. So well, I uh, think he usually interviews his friends, which I think is probably easier that helps. to. Yeah. One of my favorite episodes. Not that this is about comedians and cars <laughs> getting coffee, which I think I was. Is that what it's called? Is it comedian? Yeah. Okay. Comedians, comedians and, and cars, cars getting, getting coffee. coffee. It's mm-hmm. a mouthful. I think I was turned off from it at first because of early on it was just what I consider to be aggressively male mm. it was during well, yeah if you go through it there's like six women on the entire run of the show oh yeah well it's well it's jerry seinfeld in a in a fancy car with a dude 
driving around, talking about the good old days. And then uh, several of the women, or several of the few women, uh, aren't even comedians. One of my favorite episodes was with Sarah Jessica Parker, actually, yeah. who I guess it's, maybe it's unfair to say she's not a comedian. She was on a very successful comedy for a very long time, right. Sex in the City. Uh, but I don't consider her a comedian. But I, I know what you mean. She's probably never done a bad night at the comedy store. Right. I don't consider her a comedian in the same way that he would have a Jim Carrey on or a Michael Richards on even or, you know. But uh, I really uh, loved that episode, actually, because I felt like it was just too friends hanging out and i felt that she was just so genuine and uh talking with him that it was really enjoyable so yeah i really liked the tina fey episode yes you know what i like also yes (laughs) not transylvania 65 sadly let's let's try to get back on on track here guys we could could just do an episode on comedians and cars getting coffee but I, there was something I liked about this movie that we oh, watched. Oh, do enlighten me. Um, it was pretty much everything I liked was at the very beginning when I still had hope that this would be a fun movie um, and didn't start falling asleep and looking over and seeing that Lindsay was also falling asleep in the chair. Asleep. In the very beginning, they do like this found footage thing and the guy goes up and it leans against this door. The arms come out of the door and wrap around him. And he screams for what feels like five minutes as they're videotaping yes. it. And I was like, oh, this is going to be fun. This is going to be really fun. That was actually a fun moment for me. They did the found footage thing before Blair Witch did it. Oh, yeah. They, yeah. Did. they were way ahead of the curve on that one. So I thought that was fun. The scream was fun. Then the next scene is... Mr. Roper from Three's Company. Mm-hmm. He's there. He's like a Perry White or a J. Jonah Jameson character. And he's telling the reporters that they need to go and get some juicy stuff from Transylvania. Yeah. Right. Because I think that they were part of a tabloid. But the way the set looked and the way they were playing it, it seemed like it wasn't just some trashy rag. Yeah. Like a paper. Uh, they're investigating yeah, like, journalists. A, like, they're, like they're working. Like I'm also... Um, piecemeal watching all the president's men over Mm -hmm. again Mm -hmm. just it happened to be on amazon prime and i like that movie so anyway the way that they're playing woodward and bernstein in that is how they play these two guys Uh begley and goldblum (laughs) and this and it's like totally straight faced it's the way the yeah like i said there's nothing like silly about this paper other than when they leave and they're walking down they're leaving it's clearly in a hotel lobby (laughs) that they're leaving out of (laughs) Uh, like a fancy hotel in Yugoslavia. But yeah, it, it starts strong because I also like the found footage aspect of it. And the fact that the guy screams for so long and he slowly lumbers, the it's Frankenstein's holding him and slowly lumbers over to the guy holding the camera who doesn't move and then eventually it tips over. I was like, okay, this could be good. And then within that first scene though, we knew we were not in for a good time. We were in trouble. <laughs> it's Let me just throw this out here. Rudy DeLuca, this is the only movie he ever directed. Oh, I did not know that. Yeah, and usually I say, usually I say, retired as champion. Oh, no. But no, I don't think so in this case. (laughs) This was not a winner. It definitely had a Mel Brooks feel to it. Everything was striving for that. It was striving for that young Frankenstein feel. Very Python as well. Yeah, it's very zany, very slapsticky. And it was just missing the mark because I feel like they didn't have a super sure hand behind the camera. Mm. The way it was shot a lot of times was very questionable. The angles chosen, the lighting was weird, the costumes were weird. The length of scene. The yeah, the, of scene the was editing far was too long. Yeah, half of the scenes could have been funny. They could have ended in a funny way. 
but they didn't cut off in time. There was one scene later where they go visit a fortune teller in yeah. their investigation, and she at the end of it says, "I sleep now," and slams her head in the table, and it takes it like caves the table in. And I thought that was like, funny. That I was funny. I laughed. I was like, okay, great. And then they were walking out, and then as they walk out, an old man is bringing in a brand new table. And I was like, oh, that's funny. Uh-huh. But then it lingers on that for like 30 seconds while he sets up the table, props her back up again, and she starts like fortune telling again. Right. And it's like, if we just saw the guy walking in with the table, yeah. that would have been funny. Like, yeah. oh, haha, she does this all the time. So before we get into really the, the nitty gritty of it, and I feel like we already are, the the basis of the story is that yes, these two reporters. Uh-huh. Uh, one is the son of the publisher. That's Ed Begley Jr. I didn't bother to learn either of their names, uh, but Ed Begley Jr. is the son of. They didn't the... bother to teach us. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. Uh, he's the son of the publisher of the paper. He's kind of a dimwit. Uh, kind of a dullard, and he is teamed up with Jeff Goldblum, who I think is a like high class reporter who really wants to be like a real journalist and really mm-hmm. wants to like find the scoop. And like at the beginning, he's he's saying that he wants to be sent to to Moscow, to the Middle East. He wants the hard hitting yeah. stories. He's doing this so he can get the real story. Exactly. So he's doing this. He's like a big fish in a small pond. This paper, from what I gather. But based off of this video, the found footage that we saw in our first scene, they're sent to Transylvania to find a crap story because crap is what sells, according to the publisher. <laughs> yes. And we're off to the races, and we end up meeting a uh, a slew of zany characters. We have Jeffrey Jones, who's the mayor of Transylvania. Mm-hmm. We have Michael Richards, who works at the hotel. He's like the, I guess, concierge uh, slash servant at the hotel sure. uh, where they're at. Who knows what he was? Uh, a hunchback guy like who's not Igor, but kind of Igorish, and his wife, his wife played by Carol Kane. Actually, I don't remember the guy who played the hunchback guy, but he reminded me of Harvey Corman from the Star Wars Holiday Special. Mm-hmm. If, we, if we go back and listen to that episode, you know how much we loved Harvey Corman from that. But they get embroiled in this case. I guess you could say they get embroiled because uh, anytime it actually tried to tell a story, the movie completely fell apart. And anytime it tried to tell the story of the mystery of the Frankenstein monster or the Wolfman or Gina Davis shows up as like a sexy vampire. It, it just falls apart and it makes no sense. So, and it gets really boring anytime it actually tries to tell a story. It's only in the moments where it doesn't bother trying to tell any kind of tale that it's actually funny. So that's uh, the basis of it. That's the baby. <laughs> and at one point, uh, Jeff Goldblum does meet up with a lady, another American, when they first arrive in yeah. Transylvania, and he is aggressively pursuing her through the entire movie. Mm-hmm. So that's the basics. I just wanted to like get the plot out for anybody who hasn't seen it. Yeah, you're uh, in, right? Yeah. So, yeah. What else is there, guys? Uh, <laughs> well, I laughed. I, I thought. I was excited. I love like a slapstick comedy. Yeah. I appreciate it. I love a Mel Brooks comedy. Uh, not that this was that, obviously, but it was in that same vein. Early on, one of the jokes that made me laugh was in that opening scene with Jeff and Ed uh, being sent off by their editor and he was telling them to go to Transylvania and he asked where's Transylvania and then nobody knew where it was and they responded over there someplace over there someplace and I laugh because geography is not my strong suit I don't know where anything is also I kind of want to visit Transylvania I mean um one of the writers on Sabrina uh Josh he was talking about uh wanting to take a vacation at the end of the year and going specifically to Transylvania to see Dracula's castle because you can take a tour 
tour. And I think that's, that's cool. pretty cool. And that is what is great about this. Movie. That is what's great. <laughs> well, I will say that, actually. You bring up a good point. Is they shot it in Yugoslavia, as we discussed. Cool locations. As, re- as yeah. a result of the Dow Chemical Company, the maker of Mace, uh, having this money. It was a very cheap movie, but... The castles, the locations. They sold two bottles of mace for this movie. <laughs> uh, it was just like, it was beautiful. There was, was beautiful. a lot of beautiful scenery, a lot of beautiful locations, because I think it was just stuff that was there. Late in the movie, there's a like lake area, and I thought that really was genuinely beautiful. I would put that up against any location in the Twilight films. And that was kind of what you liked most about Twilight was yeah. just the yeah. the vistas of the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> no, and I'm not going to disagree with you. That was definitely one of the best parts. I really liked the music in the beginning, the like theme song. Because yes. you oh, also yeah. talked many times about how you miss theme songs like Ghostbusters, etc. Oh, hell yeah. Where they talk about the actual movie in the theme song. So you got it here. That's I why did. It's great. Thanks you for know, listening. I honestly I thought that. that when the when the song started, just listening to the lyrics, that it was maybe some song randomly written about spooky things. But no, baby, this is Transylvania six five thousand specific. Yeah. Obviously, that's what we started singing when we came back. It's by uh, you know that classic uh, singer Paul Chitin. Or Chitin. Well, that sounds right. The oh, Spotify yeah. numbers are going to be off the chart. And he's going to get all those Spotify dollars. Oh, he's right, going to get that Spotify money. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Long time listener of the show. Um, you know, if you want to find more Paul Chitin, uh, uh, his album Erotic Visions is available Whoa. from 1995. Whoa. Featuring songs such as Warm to the Touch and Wild Embrace. Yow. That sounds good. He's also got other songs and other albums called Naked Rain, oh. A Dream of Betty Page. Okay. And Behind the Secret Garden. Yeah. Oh, boy. And he's sort of an off-brand, like, I would put him in the range of, like, Thomas Dolby, who we've also discussed on the show oh, before. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Howard the Duck, obviously. Mm-hmm. He created that excellent theme song. And I mean that with no irony. That yeah. song is great. Uh, this song, not quite reaching those heights, but it's entertaining. It's one of the yeah. best parts of the movie, honestly. For, this, the song? The, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the Transylvania 6 five. The movie? <laughs> yeah, That is it, probably the yeah. best part. It and it's, and yeah. it's actually the, the only part where we see any kind of visual effects because there are models of trains going. Yeah. Like practical ver- effects, buddy. Yeah, practical effects. Love I love the practical effects. I loved that. Uh, so that was great. And uh, even though they're going through like snowy mountains and there's a lot of like cold and then they get there and it's clearly summertime. Like yeah. everybody's dressed in like t-shirts and. Well, yeah. Jeff Goldblum didn't agree to do this movie for five <laughs> days in Yugoslavia in winter. Okay. This was a vacay. That, that's true. <laughs> this is a vacay payday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We felt like when, when the movie ended, we were like, how long did it take them to film this? Yeah. And it was, it had to have been short. It had to be because they, all of the takes are super long. So, I mean, too long, obviously, but it's all like one take scenes. Yeah. Would There's you say like, it's play-like? I thought you might enjoy yes, that. I, I I wouldn't say I enjoyed it, but I would say that I <laughs> recognize that it was very theatrical because yes. rather than in most movies where you're constantly cutting, you only have to memorize a little bit of dialogue, really. You only have to be present and be truthful for a small amount of time. These, it, they did play out like a theatrical play. And there were a lot of scenes that had sort of farcical elements or that had physical comedy in it or that had timing issues in it. And so I do respect that, that they had to at least rehearse it enough to get the timing down for their lines. But yeah, it all looked like it was shot 
you know, one take, we got it, let's move on. Yeah. There was one scene in particular where they're in Jeff Goldblum's hotel room, and Jeff Goldblum the entire time is like, there's no story here, there's no story, what are we doing here? I'm going to get back to America so that I can get a real story, and Ed Begley Jr. is convinced that there's something here. Uh, So they're in Jeff Goldblum's hotel room, it's one of those wide shots that it's just a master, clearly, a master shot, Mm -hmm. and he's packing up his stuff, he's on the phone with the lady who he's stalking, Michael Richards eventually comes in at some point and does some physical humor, and it's all one take, and it's really impressive because I did read somewhere that they were, uh, Ed Begley Jr., Michael Richards, and Jeff Goldblum were responsible for blocking themselves during the scene. Rudy DeLuca, apparently not a super heavy-handed director, he was like, ah, just do the thing, we'll just... Put the camera on some sticks How and we'll watch surprising. it. How <laughs> surprising. And so this scene, which is probably at least five minutes long, yeah. was one continuous shot. And it accomplished a lot, you could say. And as a kid, I probably would have thought Michael Richards was like the funniest person ever because he came in with like a fake hand to hand them something. And you saw immediately, you knew it was about to pop off. (laughs) But then the thing is, they kick him out and he does it with his leg too. He sticks his leg in the door and starts screaming and the leg comes off. I'm going to give Michael Richards some credit here. He was pretty funny in this movie. He was in that nice sweet spot towards the mid to late 80s between this and UHF where his just over-the-top uh-huh. Antics were just pretty nice. They were pretty funny. He was too much in this movie. He was a lot. He was too much, but I do think it worked. I don't know. I'd say at least 60% of the time. Do you think we do? This is now just like bringing it back to a real place. Do you think that we do uh, scrutinize actors more now through the lens of knowing something new and shitty about them? You know, mm-hmm. like every time you see a Jeffrey Jones or like for me, my favorite, one of my favorite shows of all time was the original Roseanne, you know? Oh, right. And when I go back and watch it, it sort of like shades that for me too yeah. when I see her. Do you feel like it's possible that our enjoyment of him or Jeffrey could be diminished you know by just knowing what we know i think quite possibly i tried to put that out of my mind and certainly for when we did the howard the duck i mm-hmm. felt like the jeffrey jones everything mm-hmm. that happened to him we brought it up we got past it and we yeah. could really see him for his performance because that performance in that movie is really good and i like jeffrey jones and a lot of stuff he's Principal not Rooney. He, yeah exactly I, I mean i think of beetlejuice immediately when i think of him but mm-hmm. this is not one of his better performances let's be honest jeffrey jones that is yeah but we were able to do that with Jeffrey Jones. I feel like after Michael Richards had his racist rant, I also watched UHF with Weird Al Yankovic with you. Yeah, you, I've never you, seen it. Uh, I don't think you loved it. No. but <laughs> I wouldn't but, be a good guest on that one. <laughs> no, I'm going to be the best guest on I that love one. I No, who doesn't love Weird Al? But Michael Richards on that, I appreciated his performance. And mm-hmm. I can kind of separate the things that he... The things that he's done in the past versus what he is now. Mm -hmm. I can sort of look past it, I think. I think everybody's different in that regard. Like some people I think are able to, and I don't think there's one right way or one wrong way, but I think some people are able to kind of separate the art from the artist and Mm -hmm. some people just can't. Like they just can't do it and so they can't enjoy it at all anymore. But I think there's also probably a spectrum of that. Like you're saying, like I think maybe there's a little bit where you kind of have to make the conscious effort of like, okay, I'm just going to focus on this or whatever. But I think too, John, you were talking about when you were younger, you would have maybe loved Michael Richards' performance. Like, I think also just through time Mm -hmm. and not just as we get older, although I think that's also a factor, but also through what's funny and Mm -hmm. what's like popular in the 80s or the 90s or the... Like Pratt Falls. (laughs) Pratt Falls, yeah, like just all that stuff. I mean, even a lot of Jim Carrey's stuff I love Jim Carrey. I think he's super talented. He's a genius. And I sometimes I'm like, 
would I still love everything that he did back in the day right. today? Probably not. It's Probably the, not. And if Ace Ventura came out today, I think it would be, you know, laughed out of the building, not yeah. in a good way. However, when I saw that in the theater, I went oh, to a, a middle God. school dance, and then me and my buds sat in the front row at Ashley Cinemas in Valdosta, Georgia, and watched Ace Ventura Unspool. I had not seen a trailer. I had no idea what it was, and it was the funniest fucking thing I'd ever seen in my yeah. life. I had never laughed so hard in my life, yeah. and probably wouldn't again until... Ace Jeez. Ventura 2. Pet Detective. Until uh, When Nature Calls. <laughs> when nature yeah, calls. yeah. when Nature Calls. So, yeah, I totally agree. And I, and that definitely has anything to do with Transylvania 65,000. <laughs> I do sometimes appreciate It's so true that, like, comedy has changed so much over the years. What's funny? But uh, if it's done, like, super well, I still appreciate, like, a classic comedy move. Like, yeah, a same. classic Chevy oh, yeah. Chase Prattfall. A classic well, impression. That's what I was saying. The uh, thing about the fake hand is, like, okay, we knew it was coming. But when the fake leg showed up, when Michael Richards, yes. that was a genuinely funny thing. Yeah. I I wish that, and maybe it's because he was early in his career, I don't know, but, and he was still maybe workshopping how all of that stuff worked, but I feel like for a lot of those sort of physical gags and jokes, they would have worked better, but he was dialed up to an 11, so he's like screaming the whole time, instead of just letting the joke or the gag be the gag. Remember in the scene in Anchorman when everyone's yelling, and I believe his brick is just like, loud noises! Uh, that is what this movie is. It's just loud noises. I I think I mentioned we we had to pause to just catch our breath at one point during the movie, and I think I called this movie just like a migraine committed to celluloid because it just Which is is why it's so great. Yeah, that's what's great about it. I know, I know. We're going to get to what's great. We just got to like work out our feelings because none of us had seen it before. (laughs) None of us knew what we were in for. And thus far, like within the first like half hour of the movie, the theme song was like the one great thing about it. Um, We were thrown for a loop. I was expecting a like Abbott and Costello meets Mel Brooks. Yeah. And and I did not necessarily. It's a monster movie. It's just like Mel Brooks... C material getting picked up and like all thrown together into one mishmash of a void of comedy. It definitely felt like what it was, which was Dow Chemical Company had some extra money to burn and they were like, let's make a movie. And a bunch of people got involved in it and were like, yeah, we've got like a premise. Should we just go for it? Yeah, go go for it. it. Well, like you were just saying with the Michael Richards being turned up, I feel like the thing is is that it was just unbalanced in the sense of I felt like there were some actors that were really committed, some actors that were overcommitted. Like I'm so thirsty, as the kids say, this (laughs) is my shot, and some actors that were like I'm just taking a free trip to Yugoslavia. And we can uh, and we can say what those three were. Jeff Goldblum was like, (laughs) I'm just here for the trip. Ed Begley Jr. was in it. He was acting. He was trying to commit to a character and to commit to the story. And then Michael Richards was like, This is going to get me Kramer one day. Yeah. yeah. Let's and see how did. big I can get. And honestly, and there's also Joe Baloney, uh, Joseph Baloney, who played the <laughs> Victor Frankenstein sort of, or I, as I call him, Joey Baloney. Uh, he also turned it up to 11 and it just did not work. Whereas yeah. Michael Richards worked some of the time. And there was one scene that was pretty funny it's dumb but he continuously is having uh ed begley jr smell things during a lunch that scene. was funny and he eventually <laughs> picks up a glass uh lo- will look like an ashtray and having him smell the glass and you could 
tell Jeff Goldblum was just about to crack. He like, was laughing. He was, he was having a good time. It felt like a pure moment of improvisation because yeah. like you guys were just saying too, with the director like leaving the wide shot, this felt like a classic case of camera on, I yep. go, <laughs> you tell me when you're done doing it, whatever the fuck you want to yeah. do. Yeah, I think I said at one point, I was like, Rudy DeLuca was uh, very enamored with Michael Richards at this point because well, he just let him do whatever he wanted yeah. and gave him he got more screen blanche. time than anybody else in the movie. Pretty much. Pretty, <laughs> pretty much. much. Like, uh, weirdly enough, I'm obsessed with Jeff Goldblum. I forgot Jeff Goldblum was, like, in the movie half Yeah, he the time. disappeared for a part of it. Didn't Michael Richards look like Mark Ruffalo in this movie? Is it just me? I think that's just you. He uh, looked, it's just you. He looked like a slightly younger, but but not young Michael Richards. Or Kramer. Yeah, he looked a, he looked a lot like Michael Richards, <laughs> He actually. did look a bit like Michael that character Rich- Kramer. You know what? Yeah, Michael Richards looked like Kramer, but younger. Yeah. I would say Isn't that probably weird? younger than Kramer, but definitely yeah. looked like Kramer. He looked like that guy. From UHF, but like a couple years younger. Yes. My yes. point is that Michael Richards has never looked like a young man. Like he's never looked like fresh faced. Like oh. the, he was probably in his like 20s like Steve or something. Martin. Yeah, well, Steve Martin at least did have a fresher face back in the 70s than, well, obviously now he's in his 70s. Huh. But yeah, it was just like he had a, like an old kind of worn face michael richards did Mm. even in this movie in 1985 so uh you know who did not have a worn face in 1985 gina davis oh yeah baby (laughs) beautiful she was earmuffs lens (laughs) nothing i was like yeah when she showed up i was like okay i'm back in it well Um, yeah you had asked well i i didn't understand the question because you asked like oh how how did gina davis why did gina davis do this i was like because she's gorgeous she's super hot well obviously i know why she was cast in it i am confused as to why she agreed to do it because her part is so small and she just is a walking pair of bricks i think she was uh she was wanted a vacation in yugoslavia Obviously, this is where she and Jeff Goldblum met. So I think it was just fate that brought those two people together. Because at this point, why did Jeff Goldblum even do this movie? I know he was also early in his career. For Both sure. of them were. Yeah. And, and I guess as an actor, I mean, you don't turn down roles when you're still early. I mean, now they could. Yeah. Easily. And, and like you said during the viewing of it, like you don't necessarily know what the movie is going to be when you just say yes. Like sure. if they also thought this was going to be an Abbott Costello, Mel Brooks joint, you know, and they're like, oh, it's going to be like that. Like the, the, that's what it's going to be. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be fun. It's going to be an adventure. And then I think when they got there on day one, they were like, oh, I'll just try and enjoy the rest of my time. Yeah. Yeah. Like, well, I've already well, signed on the dotted line, so I have to be here by law. I guess that's a good point, too. We're all creative people and writers and artists and directors, and I'm always fascinated by the process of sometimes you read a script that you are just like, you love this script, you're blown yeah. away by it, and then you see the final product, and it's not good, and especially vice versa. I am more blown away yeah. when I read something that I think is not good, and then I see the product, and it's done really well, and and that's when you realize, oh yeah, yeah, a director and a vision and a team and a cast really brings this thing to life and makes or breaks this baby. So this could have been like a really fun script. Yeah, maybe. And and on paper, yeah, a lot of this could have been more put together, more tight. Because I feel like if you if you looked at the script of this, I think that it was so much was embellished because I think the the director just let the actors go crazy with everything. I I, I think the script was like 10, 15 pages max. Like an outline. Yeah, yeah, basically. But yeah, you could have gotten that. You could have seen that, oh, this is Mel Brooks' guy. Mel Brooks has had a lot of hits. It's a comedy. It makes sense to, to jump onto this. Yeah. And for Gina Davis, 
Uh, I still don't know what was appealing to her where I'm sure they sat down and you're like, okay, so you're playing this woman mm-hmm. who thinks she's a vampire, uh-huh. but isn't really a vampire, but mm-hmm. we think is a vampire for most of it. Okay. And you're basically mm-hmm. half naked oh. most of the time. Okay. Your boobs are way out, yeah. uh, but you get like big hair. You get to look like Elvira. Uh, you're going to look who hot. Else is in it? Who else is in it? Who um, else is That be in Jeff it? Goldblumies. Ooh. <laughs> She's like, oh, signed. Interesting. Wait, is that that handsome young man from the Big Chill? Is that that gorgeous man who would... Make a young John Bring question of sexuality temporarily? Temporarily. Yes. <laughs> well, yeah. I, uh, we recently had our white elephant gift exchange. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lindsay and I host one every year. Seb, unfortunately, couldn't come to it this year. But at the end of it, the last gift was a grab bag of Jeff Goldblum stuff. It was, it was amazing. Like, it was great. It was like a calendar with Jeff Goldblum pictures. It was magnets of him of laying, of the Ian Malcolm uh, yeah. laying down yeah. with a shirt open shot. And uh, a couple of other items like pins and things. And I was so mad because I was number one. And in our rules, number one gets to repick. Game's uh-huh. over. Yeah. Game's over. But I was stupid and listened to somebody who convinced me to, Yourself. to let the repicking <laughs> continue. And um, I eventually got my trade traded back to me. So I got stuck with something that, that was not the Jeff Goldblum thing. Oh. Very upset about it. How did that story end, though? Uh, well, Lindsay, the sweetheart that she is, <laughs> would go on and get me what I really wanted out of it, which you know I really wanted out of it, which was the Jeff Goldblum magnets, which are now residing on our refrigerator. And I think that Gina Davis probably saw those in the future. She got our time machine, sure. obviously, from our Spotify right, money right. after Drusilla Carey mm-hmm. and um, somebody else uh, also borrowed it. Maybe Dave Mustaine borrowed it? In our, yeah, it was uh, Dave Mustaine. Okay. Yeah. She borrowed it, went to the future, saw Jurassic Park, was like, I need to get on that. Went back in time and said, sure, I'll do your Transylvania 6-5000. They had like one scene together in the entire movie. This yeah. cast must, yeah. I, I assume because they were in Yugoslavia, maybe the cast just all hung out together at all times because nobody else could speak the language. I don't know. Yeah, same hotel but, or whatever. Yeah, but man, she her character was completely pointless, but she looked really good. Well, it. so were most of the monster characters, actually. Yeah, that's true. Especially by the end. I was really disappointed. Sorry, same. this is not why it's great, but I was really disappointed that there's all this stuff about monsters, and by the end, I was like, we never see any monsters, barely. Like, this mm-hmm. is rough. Abbott and Costello did a lot more with Frankenstein than you guys did. And then at the very end, spoiler alert, they're not even really monsters. Nope. They just explain it all away. And I was like, oh, okay. Here's why it's great, because Gina Davis wore that outfit. Yeah, pretty and much. And that outfit was pretty choice. I mean, that was good. And I can say this. Yeah, you can. Her, uh, buz- what, bazongos? What are they oh, referring yeah. to? They were called bazonkers. bazonkers. Oh, her bazonkers were bazonkers, because <laughs> yeah. her boobies look good. They did, they did. <laughs> yeah, so back to Seb's point about the monsters, this is a whole investigation searching for monsters we get a couple of false leads throughout mm-hmm. we think we're meeting up with the wolfman around halfway through actually played by rudy deluca the director and oh. that's a false moment the little dog leg moment and it's like 20 minutes before the end of the movie and we finally get some monsters and then it's like boom 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 all the monsters all at once yeah. and it's just a clusterfuck and nobody knows what's going on. Everybody's talking over each other constantly. And then it isn't until the final moment where I don't even, I, maybe I checked out. I don't have no idea how Jeff Goldblum knew all this stuff, knew that the doctor was being a good man, that all these monsters were created by this doctor trying to help people. But 
he did know this somehow and he deduced it. Yeah, he I, it. he's well, just that good of a reporter, I guess. I actually was having fun with the moment in the movie towards the end where they're in the woods, the little girl goes missing, uh-huh. they're sort of spreading out, running for her, and then he, and then Jeff Goldblum is running into the Wolfman, and Ed Begley Jr. is running into Frankenstein, like monsters are coming out of the woodworks. We're in Transylvania. I thought that yeah. was really really fun. So then to go on that journey and have the uh, the rug was pulled out from under me and the wool was pulled over my eyes. <laughs> All of the things. And you were punched in the head. I was and punched just, in the head. I was, was dragged. Rough. Oh, there's a hand coming out of a river. You know what it reminded me of, guys? What's that? Breaking Dawn, part two. When you are given this huge fight and then you're told. Oh, yeah. That's what could have happened. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. a good point. Go back and listen to that episode. So you hear all about it. Screwed up. So I was served this plate of like, oh, well, you know what would be fun is if this does culminate in real monsters. Yep. That's really fun. And like, well, who are they? Why are they here? But, but the explanation was they're just a bunch of people who are going through different physicalities. Basically, people who either need plastic, plastic surgery, surgery or the Wolfman is just an overgrown hair. He has a condition that he grows too much hair and he's getting electrolysis. <laughs> yeah. It's it's really Which is a real thing. It, but, yeah, that's but, a real thing. That was my favorite joke in the movie, though, and that was not a main character <laughs> was, I laughed the hardest there's the moment where the wolf man uh, they're explaining who he is he's just a person who has a lot of hair the doctor says I've been doing electrolysis on him and he says see and he lifts up his shirt and just shows a tiny little like circular <laughs> patch that just has skin on it and then he says now I can go to the beach <laughs> it's pretty great I yeah. thought that, that was, was great hilarious. oh and the wolf man by the way played by Ogre from Revenge of the Nerds oh. I was very surprised to find that out because when he was talking I was like oh man that sounds like his voice yeah and it's isn't he also in like Bloodsport? Oh hell yeah, he's in Bloodsport. Oh yeah, of course oh. you know that. Ogre be but working. Once upon a time, I suppose. But yeah, I heard his voice, <laughs> and he's completely covered in hair. We at no point see the real man underneath yeah. that, and I was like, that really, that sounds like Ogre. It's got to be. So looked him up. Sure is. Good so, ear. Good ear. I thought yeah. I just thought it was somebody doing a weird voice. I yeah. Know, so. No, I was convinced immediately. I just re- remember Ogre oh, so well from Revenge of the Nerds. I watched that movie quite a bit. And from Bloodsport. And from Bloodsport. Since all the monsters are just real people, why why did Frankenstein steal the child? Was I asleep? I guess he was just wanted someone to hang out with. Because that feels like a thing you wouldn't do as just a grown adult male. <laughs> That's a Jeffrey <laughs> Jones move if I ever heard yeah, one. Yeah, <laughs> called that one out pretty quick. Like, oh, good thing it was Jeffrey Jones. Ghoul. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I think that bears more investigation. Why did this guy take this girl? Yeah, but yeah, I don't. I I guess he just wants someone to hang out with that yeah. doesn't judge him because they were playing cards. They played cards. Yeah, they oh, were having okay. a, and a funny gag. And a funny a gag second. where she says "full house" and he's like, Bleh, and she just goes like a "want want" type look <laughs> to the camera. This is before Harvey Corman Light. Like mini version of Harvey Corman and Carol Kane, who plays mm. his wife. I don't even know if we've mentioned that Carol Kane is no, in this. No, we haven't. At her Carol Kaneiest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What's the name of her character? It's not Lotka uh, from Taxi. <laughs> Lotka's GF. Lock, yeah. Girltka. Oh, what is her character name yeah, what in is, Taxi? Yeah, is what's that? her character name in Taxi? Oh, oh. Um, Simka? Yeah, that's it. Not, yeah, not yeah. Girltka. Everything the light touches. <laughs> <laughs> but she was definitely at her Carol Kaneist. And I actually looked her up because I was, I finally, after years of watching that woman in various TV and movie products, I was like, where is Carol Kane from? Mm-hmm. Where does that voice come from? Mm-hmm. What is with her? She's from Cleveland. Cleveland? <laughs> well, she, that's a, yeah, that's a Cleveland accent. Yeah, oh, that's right. Oh, 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 o
very specific Cleveland dialect. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's from like the east side of Cleveland. Yeah. They all yeah. talk like that. That's yeah. uptown, uptown Cleveland Brown. <laughs> yeah. <has> that. <laughs> Yeah, no. So you guys were not with me on the Michael Richards, uh, Mark Ruffalo thing, but can we all be on board with the fact that Carol Kane looked like Madonna? Oh, for sure. Yeah, one thousand and one percent. Like, uh, like suddenly seeking Susan. Desperately seeking. Desperately. Susan. Oh, suddenly seeking. Suddenly Susan. There's desperately seeking Susan. Yes, yes, and yes. And now. Coming this fall, <laughs> they're suddenly seeking Susan, uh, starring Madonna and Leah Thompson. Thompson, who? she was Caroline in the City. Who is Susan? Not to be confused with Sex and the City, with the comedian Sarah Jessica Parker. With famous comedians and comedian yeah. Sarah Jessica Parker. What's happening? What What does this, any of this have to do with Transylvania Six Five Thousand? She's in it. Damn you, Rashawn Rochester well, oh, from McKinney, Texas. The <laughs> point I was wanting to make was that Madonna's style specifically in Desperately Seeking I think Susan. Uh, yeah, she wore a bow, like a really big floppy bow in her hair mm-hmm. in this. And Carol Kane wore one in this. And also Carol Kane had like really big earrings in this. That mm-hmm. just those two things together, I think, really conjured the image yeah. of Madonna. Yeah. But that, like a virgin. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the outfit that she was wearing in her face looked like a picture from Desperately Seeking Caroline in the City. <laughs> <laughs> Good movie. So, guys. Yes. We got we to gotta talk turkey. This is a podcast oh, called Love Turkey. Here's Why It's Great. Yeah. It's where we take what you hate, which apparently Rashawn hates this movie. He does? Now that I'm thinking about it, I get He must. Because he, he sent knows, it to it. Maybe he knows other people hate this movie. Maybe. I, I doubt it. I know Rashawn, and I know he loves everything, and he's like the sweetest of sweethearts in the world, so I doubt he hates anything. But this is something that some people hate, and we got to tell the people out there, uh-huh. those people listening, why it's great. And this is perhaps our greatest challenge yet. So mm-hmm. I'm going to start. I'm going to say something besides Gina Davis's costume that I liked in this movie. Besides dim titties. Besides dim titties. I loved Ed Begley Jr.'s sweater vest in the first scene. It looked like a Juicy Fruit wrapper. Go. Uh, hashtag bazangers? What was uh, it? Bazongers, I bazongers. think. That's good. Bazonkier? Um, I liked it. We already talked about this. I loved that uh, Jeff Goldblum was constantly breaking and laughing genuinely in every scene because he was just so happy to be on an all-expense-paid trip to Yugoslavia where all want to go. Oh, that's a that's a good one. I loved... There's actually a funny scene towards the beginning where Ed Begley Jr. is checking into a hotel. He asks very quietly, very clandestinely about Frankenstein. Has anybody heard about Frankenstein? Mm-hmm. And the, the bellhop, or not the bellhop, but the guy at the desk starts asking around saying, oh, have you heard of Frankenstein? They start laughing. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually, they're all laughing at him, but there's specifically a maid who has a very peculiar laugh <laughs> uh, like <laughs> that she keeps doing. That was pretty funny. I like that. I thought that was great. You're next. <laughs> oh. Um, it's lightning round, man. Lightning round. I, I liked that Mr. Roper was in it. Okay, great. Mr. Roper. Excellent. Lindsay? I liked... Uh, Carol Kane's uh, the the deeper story of her separation anxiety from her husband. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something just, you could relate to. It's totally, <laughs> you right. know, it's just, she just loved him so much, and I thought that that was just really sweet. Oh, I loved. There's a running gag throughout the movie of Ed Begley Jr. constantly shoving Carol Kane by accident, not realizing it because she's <laughs> always behind a door, and he will shut the door, and they do the classic <laughs> comedy trope of like sound effects off 
in the distance. Yeah. Uh, there's one time she's behind a glass door, so I don't really know how he didn't see her behind the glass door, but he shuts it, and we can hear, like, ducks and chickens uh, cawing in the background and crashing. There's later she's in a closet, and he shuts the closet door and throws her inside. I thought that was very funny. It had some gags that worked, a lot that didn't. Seb? Yeah, I like that uh, Mr. Roper was in it. Okay, yeah. Lindsay. Um, I loved uh, that opening theme song, and I just miss it. I miss the time when you know they did theme songs that describe movies like like Ghostbusters and yeah. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I loved that. Oh my god, I loved that shot and uh, of the water towards yes. the end. Yes, you know the movie that was just a really mm-hmm. really beautiful. There's shot. a shot yeah. of water towards the end. Yeah, like the lake. Oh, the lake. Yeah, 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 yeah the yeah. scenery. I liked the um, the models. They used models. Oh, yeah. I loved the models. Yeah. I loved the um, and I I just I just love michael richards like i'm still i'm still with him still with him <laughs> ride or die for michael richards <laughs> ride or die for michael richards uh give me one second i'm gonna think of i'm gonna think of something i loved jeff goldblum's hair and his face and everything about him his hair was big it was floppy he hadn't quite gotten to that perfect jeff goldblum weird like almost jerry curl mullet that he mm. makes it work so beautifully mm-hmm. let's go let's say from the fly to jurassic park because in Jurassic Park Part 2, The Lost World, a.k.a. The Lost World Jurassic Park, he had cut his hair a little bit too short. Didn't like that as much. Oh, okay. I love that that sweet spot between 1987, 88, the fly era, or I guess that was 86, all the way to Earth Girls Are Easy, as we talked about. He had the mullet. He just made a mullet work. And in this, he wasn't. it was just sort of unruly and big, and they probably didn't even have a hair and makeup person on set, except for the days when Gina Davis was on set, clearly. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had it for her, because her makeup was very well done. I will say that. But I love his floppy hair, his cavalier attitude. Mm-hmm. His, his floppy dick. His yep. floppy dick. His, his charm is undeniable. Very tall. There's a lot of tall people in this. I was charmed by his old teeth. I forget yeah. that he had, you know, little Look. crooked, little crooked bones. Yeah. <laughs> Look, that's what every, teeth are, guys. They're ev- bones. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Everybody's got bad teeth until you become certain a certain level of fame. I love like, that. I love before and after shots with celebrities' teeth. Mm. Uh, ben Affleck has an especially good one. I noticed. I just re- oh, are you? You just like, love before and after plastic surgery too. Love before and after plastic surgery. One of my, I go down a Blake Lively rabbit hole before oh and God. after. It's incredible. It's very well done. They're all just. Um, very minor changes to her look, but man, does it work! But it, but it makes a drastic change. Yeah, it's a, the nose, the te- it's the nose and the teeth yeah. that really do mm-hmm, it. The teeth mm-hmm. specifically. Ben Affleck, look at oh, look at Google like Ben Affleck teeth, or as I like to Google Ben Affleck gremlin teeth. <laughs> they were just little and spacey. Just go watch him in Mallrats, oh, and yeah. then put on Armageddon, and you will see a world of difference. Somebody he also got probably, paid. He also probably dropped like I don't know thirty or so pounds. He's a big dude, but yeah, like enough to however many pounds it would take to make that that's like slim his face down, give him mm-hmm. that strong jawline, and make him the Ben Affleck that we know today. I just remember when he was uh, the Ben Affleck of the J Lo area or era? yeah, not area so yeah. much as era. Um, and he was all bronzed and yeah. stuff, and mm-hmm. on the back of her boat, slapping that ass, yeah. slapping that music ace. videos. Yeah. Do you think that, that was hot. aspirational? That was hot. That was a, that was aspirational. No, that's good. Uh, that's good podcasting that was right hot. there, He's guys. A handsome man. I rewatched Elizabeth recently with Kate Blanchett, who I oh. think is one of the most stunning women. And then I looked closely, and then realized. She's had her teeth done. Oh, really? Because in Elizabeth, that. in I believe 97's Elizabeth, this is now 20 years older, and I think it's one of the first things that we were all introduced to her mm-hmm. in. 
she has done her teeth. Wow. She I believe it because yeah. she is basically a perfect woman. Yeah. And so you don't come out the gate looking like that. So. You can't come out the gate that perfect. No, no, not that perfect. So uh, so we loved Jeff's Jeff, old teeth. Jeff Goldblum's old teeth and yeah. his uh, yeah. unruly hair, Seb. Mm-hmm. I really loved that Mr. Roper was in it. Cool. Oh, that was pretty good. That was good. I really like that. For a, uh, Didn't they like credit him with like a special appearance by Mr. Roper? Like in the opening credits, didn't you guys point that out? There was somebody that you guys pointed out specifically that was like a special appearance by because he was only in the movie for one scene. One scene, it was, yeah. It was an appearance. It was a special appearance. Yeah, it was, yeah. Very, it was special. Yeah. That's why it was great. That was great. And... Look, guys, there are things that we've covered on the show that are less than our favorite things. Sure. This is among those. This mm-hmm. is among my least favorite of our least favorite. But we got to keep playing this lightning round and find yeah, out, yeah. like, oh, really, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, dig yeah. in and find I'm out. I'm all in. If you yeah. can't tell, I'm all in. What about you, Lindsay? I got one. I uh, just really miss the days of movies having theme songs that explain uh-huh. what's happening mm-hmm. in the movie, you know, like a Ghostbusters. Yeah. Uh, so I love that it has a theme song. That's a good one. Um, I really love that shot in the woods of the water. Mm. I think it's a really beautiful shot. Like the lake. Mm-hmm. I love Jeff Goldblum's old teeth. Oh, you know what I love mm. about this movie? Mr. Roper. Besides Mr. Roper, I love Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. That is a great show that has everything to do with this movie. My God, Rashawn, what have you done to us? <laughs> you now. I feel like I'm in, a, I'm in a time loop, sort of like I felt like when I was watching the movie. It was like, uh-huh. I like that movie is like barely an hour and a half long, and I felt like we had been there for 16 hours. I felt yeah. like we we're on a flight from New York to Japan to Tokyo, and we started the movie when we took off. And we haven't even landed yet, and we're still just in the yeah. mix. It's like when you travel from like New York to LA, and you know it's going to be a long flight, and it's like five and a half hours, and then the pilot comes over, and they're like, "Sorry, guys, the winds are not with us. The flight's going to be more like seven hours." Yeah. And you realize you're in a middle seat because you paid for the economy ticket because <laughs> yeah. you thought it wouldn't be that bad. Yeah. yeah. And then the screens don't work because so you can't watch anything, which is actually the so, worst yeah, thing ever happened. To your me. last flights on new york there and back right yeah there and back and then you just like are left alone with your own thoughts well the only thing worse would be if your screen did work but this movie was only thing playing (laughs) i think that would have been better for Lindsay. um i seem to recall somebody suggesting that you pack a book or something and somebody not taking that advice right before the flight i'm sorry who that was jeez the fact that you would point out that i don't know how to read on this podcast oh my gosh is incredible. Now the world knows. And that's uh, why it's great. Bye, You folks. know what? I didn't want to pack a book because I flew Delta specifically because I knew they had screens mm-hmm. and free movies. And yeah. I was excited to get caught up on some of them. I get so, it. I, I, I think we all went into this being excited and wanting to like it. I was excited about yeah. the cast. I was excited to watch. I love a spoof. I love a spoof. Randomly, we watched like 20 minutes of Scary Movie 2 on Netflix the other night. And I look at it. It's not great, but I still love it. So I went into this there very actually, excited. Now that you mentioned that, there's actually some comparisons I could make to Scary Movie 2, which is a, a parody. Obviously, they had a little bit more money, I think, at the time. And, sure. And a similarly talented young cast. But uh, the Chris Elliott character in Scary Movie 2... Is Michael Richards. Is basically Michael Richards from this. Mm. Just like a butler type who is a constant thorn in the side of the guest. Over the top. Over the, so over the top. And Chris Elliott makes me sick to my stomach. 
just looking at him. Even that's why I really wish he was not on Shit's Creek because I love I that show. And just every time he shows up, it just like sucks the air out of the room. Have you noticed that ninety percent of scenes with Chris Elliott in a comedy uh, involve him around food and doing some sort of food humor? Yeah. So <laughs> Pratt Falls are to Michael Richards as food as a Chris Elliott and Scary Movie uh, yeah. too. It's using like his tiny hand to stir mashed potatoes to stick it in a pie to like cook shit and it's really gross everybody's grossed out in Shit's Creek there was a whole episode of like eating at his house he's always at the diner eating something gross yeah he's he, always like sucking on like chicken bones and stuff always sucking on chicken bones it's such a weird crutch maybe because he's like you said he, he makes you feel sick to your stomach like maybe because he's sort of a gross looking person yeah they're True. like <laughs> You know, him being around food is going to be extra gross. Yeah, Let's and gross does not equal funny, except in the mind of Chris Elliott, apparently. Uh, you know what is also not funny is the scene where <laughs> Michael Richards, uh, I believe uh, Jeff Goldblum opens a random door, and Michael Richards is on one of those, uh, oh, riding yeah. one of those machines that's usually outside of a grocery store, like those 25-cent coin-operated yeah. uh, like <laughs> yeah. horsey rides. Yeah, And he's like, get out, I'm meditating. And it's like so odd everything in this movie is so odd it's like did somebody sit down did rudy deluca who wrote and directed this really like think about anything or was it i wish i could find more i wish there was like a book about this i wish there was like uh you know a rebel without a crew or a a devil's candy about this movie about them making it because i want to know like did they say hey we got three million dollars you got four weeks to come up with a movie. And he was like, uh, all right, I guess I'll do it. Because if that is the case, this is improv comedy writ large with a big budget and with a lot of people involved. You know, it gave a lot of people in Yugoslavia jobs for a couple of weeks. It gave Gina it Davis created jobs in Yugoslavia. And that's pretty great. And that's that is great. great. That's why it's great. <laughs> it was the beginning of the, uh, relationship between Gina Davis and Jeff Goldblum that we mentioned. That's, that's great. great about that's it. Great. That was a great three years of their lives. Yeah, because I gave us Earth Girls Are Easy and The Fly. That's I mean, great. if we wouldn't have had those, that's I love great. The Fly. Yeah, that's great. fantastic. Well, Seb, I think you mentioned that this felt like a collection of gags, or this was just what yeah. gag can we do in the scene rather than a scene or a story? Yeah, 100%. Which is something <laughs> that's great about you it. You pointed out as well around that same time that I was griping about it just being a bunch of gags that were being done that in that same vein that it was just like a collection of scenes that were strung together that it wasn't furthering the plot the majority of the right. time it wasn't necessarily even doing any character work the majority of the time it was just like hey you know what might be funny well you guys take this apple and see what happens in the courtyard like it really felt like they were doing improv exercises yeah, for the majority yeah. of it and and again michael richards uh, i remember there was one where all the entire scene is ed Begley jr walks out of the castle and he's just trying to get past Michael Richards and Michael Richards keeps pulling banana peels out of of his pocket to literally slip on and then he starts playing grab dick with Ed Beckley Jr. and they're just chasing each other around and it's like what was the script for that? What what was in the script? I actually did see in the trivia somewhere there was a scene where not Harvey Corman and Carol Kane the first scene where they're together in the kitchen all they're trying to do is pull out some grapefruit and they're trying to cut it so they can serve it to their guests and apparently in the script all it said was they slice and serve the fruit that was actually kind of enjoyable because it was just like 
Laurel and Hardy or, you know, like slapstick Pratt Folly type humor, almost like silent movie type humor Mm -hmm. where it was just them hurting each other by accident and her being annoying. Well, now that you mentioned that and knowing that a lot of the people in this movie are comedians and not that I am one or I'm super knowledgeable about it, but that scene in particular did feel like a game in improv and it felt like the push pull of... I am trying to get you to do something. You want. You are trying to get me to do something, and that's what the game is. Yeah. yeah. So it felt like I'm sure Carol Kane had a very strong opinion of what that scene was going to be, and she got to go with it. You know. Well, yeah. there wasn't any reason behind her character, but I did like that she had a character. She was actually one of the few people in the movie that had like something I could latch onto in terms mm-hmm. of I know what you're about. Like, I know what she is about, and that is she's super into her husband. She has a hard time separating herself from him. She's, like, obsessive about him. Like, at least that is something I can latch on to. Michael Richards is just a series of gags that don't really make sense and don't tie together. Ed Begley Jr. also playing a character. Even Jeff Goldblum, who I obviously adore, uh, wasn't playing a character. He was just sort of floating through scenes and saying, maybe saying lines that he was written uh, that were written for him, or maybe he's just making them up as he goes. Who knows? But mm-hmm. at least Carol Kane like had a character. Mm-hmm. Joey Baloney also had a character. It just wasn't a very good one because I think his deal is he's a super nice guy and all he wants to do is help people. But if he goes into the lab yeah. underneath the castle, he becomes like Victor Frankenstein, basically. Yeah. And I guess that's funny. I mean, it's I guess it's sort of his um, Jekyll and Hyde mad scientist character and they clearly wanted (laughs) gene wilder to play that part like he was playing it like gene wilder played victor frankenstein Uh and it just did not quite connect but that was why it was great because it made me think of gene wilder and look that man because you remember gene wilder i love gene wilder the the glint in that man's eye and everything um what a sweet soul Sweet spirit, uh, Gene Wilder, one of my favorite actors of all time. Just thinking about him and even his lesser efforts, uh, something like Haunted Honeymoon with uh, yeah. Gilda, like even something like that, which is not even that great. I just love him in. And really, even if I could just think of him for a moment, for a brief moment in time, uh-huh. that's great. That and Joey Baloney. Sure. sure was doing his best Gene Wilder, and that made him... So that's great. I do love a a man named Joey Baloney. And in the spirit of your podcast, here's why it's great. I do feel like the spirit of the movie was really fun. Everybody involved was having fun. I think that that really came through. Absolutely. You know? There have been other movies like this. I'm trying to think of a good example of one where it's clear that everybody involved was having a friggin' blast. Yeah. And maybe it just didn't quite translate to how the audience felt about it. I was just going to say, I, I love a good, even a good improvised movie, like Waiting for Guffman or whatever. And I think that because there were so many comedians in this, there was actually a lot of good stuff in there. Even the gags, like there was a lot of fun gags. It was just the way that everything was strung together. And yeah, from maybe not having a strong director involved... And some of the scenes just going on too long. So the editing also, like there's just a lot of things that kind of added up to detracting from the movie. Mm -hmm. But I feel like, yeah, a lot of people really put their, you know, even Jeff Goldblum, who was just there to have a good time. Like (laughs) it was still fun. Like it's still fun to see him do that. Lindsay, you had mentioned like he's charming no matter what. Like, so it was fun to watch. It was fun to see these comedians actually even if they're doing improv games, that they're doing comedy, that Mm -hmm. they're working with each other to try and make something funny. It it reminded me a lot, actually, of being in plays or in loosely constructed ensemble theater that 
you know is not up to par, but you're going to go ahead and try. You're going to go ahead and try and add something to it, whether that's through like, oh, let's just do some improv and see what happens. Or that's through, well, I'm here. Like, let's try and find what's funny about this scene or what can we do? And people being, you know, just intelligent and trying to make a scene work and trying to enjoy comedy because they are all comedians. I think that's pretty great. That is pretty great. And actually, we were watching a show the other day that it was a reality show and ultimately the uh, main character, I guess you could say, of the reality show, the subject of the reality show, uh, went to an improv show and it showed her on stage and improv actors working with her. It was my 600 pound life. It was a thousand. (laughs) It was a thousand percent my 600 pound life. uh, My 600 pound life. She was on the stage and I think I mentioned to Lindsay like oh my god watching anybody do improv on a show like this or just watching it like video of improv is so cringeworthy and Lindsay brought up the good point like you have to be there improv is something where you have to be present for it that is the only way that it truly works we often go to the Jason Manzukas show Manzukas and where he always has a guest and he is always so opposed to anybody having a camera out during his show because he knows that if somebody puts a show out or a clip from the show out online, it's going to come off shitty because improv just doesn't translate to the screen. And I believe that's what we got here. You're bringing up a good point. You're making me think. You're making me feel. And I think that these comedians did their best. They did their improv. They probably were slaying on set. I bet everybody was ROTFL that's the true. whole time. I bet that's a thousand percent like, true. Like, you know Michael Richards had everybody laughing. It had Jeff Goldblum laughing, and he was on screen. He's a one of the greats. He's a professional actor. He's a national treasure, and he had him busting out laughing. Yeah. They probably had a great time, and unfortunately, because of the nature of improv, maybe it just didn't translate to the screen to our good time. But I, <laughs> I will admit that I did have some fun watching it all sure. take place. By the way, we should say that this is all unfounded. We have no idea that this movie was entirely improvised <laughs> by this collection of comedians and that's there's a world where they did exactly what was on the page we're outside of I'm, the size and grapefruit suit i'm almost certain that there was very little script sure. this. and we also guessed that drew carey's mom's <laughs> name is drusilla carey and she used a time machine to go into the future to listen to megadeth so that she can come right back in that. time and make and name her son Drew. <laughs> <laughs> this is the world we're living in. This is the here's why it's great universe that we built the the, the extended universe <laughs> that we built for ourselves. You know, maybe it's conjecture. Maybe I'm trying to make lemonade but out of lemons here. This tale you've spun is a good one, and I'm all in. It Thanks. makes me like the movie more the way that we have yeah. described it being made as a feature-length improv scene <laughs> taking place in Yugoslavia where people took on characters such as Frankenstein, the Wolfman, you uh-huh. know, a vampire, tricks. But what did you folks think? Did it have you howling with laughter? Or whose movie is it anyway? <laughs> let us know. You can let us know. Our Gmail is hwigpodcast at gmail.com. That's here's why it's great podcast at gmail.com. Or you can find us on Twitter at hwigpodcast or on Instagram at hwigpodcast. And don't forget to get with us in the same way that Rashawn, that son of a bitch, got with us on Facebook. Let us know what you hate 
and we will tell you why it's great or to the best of our ability as we did with this one uh, or we, we'll t- we'll spin a tail uh, yeah. <laughs> and we'll love that one we will bend over backwards to do everything we can to make whatever you send us sound great so please do send us your suggestions we've got a couple more coming down the pike uh, some exciting ones so get ready for that but we had a great time talking with you our special guest Lindsay Calhoun bring thanks for having me on you know what was great was hanging out with you two bros yeah. this afternoon, watching the movie, falling asleep in the chair, having some snackies, chatting about what we just saw. It was a, what a great afternoon. Sounds great. So uh, fun. Plug yourself. What have you got coming down the line? Uh, first of all, I will not be told what to do <laughs> by anyone, especially not you. Second of all, thank you. <laughs> I am uh, one of the uh, writers on Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, and part two is dropping on April 5th. It's coming out soon. We should have a trailer coming out for Ooh. you pretty quickly. Um, we're really excited about it, and I got something controversial to say. What's that? I think part two is a better than part one. Whoa, what? Whoa. It's a bananas bonkers, a bazonkers. <laughs> oh, hashtag bazonkers. Hashtag bazonkers. Well, that's exciting. I know I'm very excited about it. I get to hear a little things about it but i've told Lindsay not to tell me anything mm-hmm. about part two because i don't want to know because i want to experience it just like you people out there are going to experience the magic the literal magic Ooh. as mm-hmm. it comes on on april nice. 5th the black magic oh indeed oh don't say that around michael richards you know what i mean <laughs> oh <geez. laughs> so folks don't forget to sign your name in the book of the beast on april 5th and watch part two of chilling adventures of sabrina i can't wait we can't wait and folks, this has been quite a journey. Thank you again, Lindsay, for joining us on it. Thank you. But until next time, I'm John Bring. I'm Sebastian Kaplichuk. And I'm Lindsay Calhoun Bring. And here's why it's great. Pennsylvania 65000 oh, oh, oh. Pennsylvania 65000